0: to another episode of Gippsland Anglicans on Air. Today, we are hearing from Jonathan Cornford, who is the director at Manigum, and he met with us on a webinar just a couple of months ago to speak to us about the topic of food security in a changing climate. So how do we ensure or make sure secure a food supply when our climate is changing.
1: What we're going to be doing tonight is um thinking about our food system uh and what the challenges are for it and what that means for where it's going to need to go uh given that climate change is happening and it's going to continue to happen. Uh so and I'm working within a framework of roughly 20 minutes, maybe a little bit more, which is tight and when we're talking about food systems, um, as you'll see, we actually end up talking about a lot of things altogether. So I'm going to be, um, I'm really going to talk top, uh, at top level stuff. I'm going to talk about food system and my real, my emphasis is going to be on where we need to go with the food system, uh, overall. So it's going to be really the top level headline stuff I'm thinking about and, Almost every point that I bring up is going to, in itself, has a whole bunch of detail that requires a lot more uh, drilling down, really. But uh, we're not going to get down to a lot of that tonight. And and I think that's helpful because uh, I think sometimes what we really need, particularly in a time when people are struggling for hope, is to have a sense of a bigger picture that we can, uh, that is realisable and that we can work towards. so that's my framework anyway, uh, I, it's, at least that's the way I think. Uh, hopefully, I hope it's helpful for you too. Um, you can let me know in the discussion uh, whether you find it helpful or not, but um, I'm going to be, we're going to be doing big picture system thinking. Uh, just to mention there on the, the, the photo in that, uh, on that uh, first slide is my daughter's, a uh, long time ago now, uh, um, uh, holding up some garlic that from our garden um and really I put that there as well as being a, a cute picture um because you know when we think about this uh subject I mean for for, for me and for many others really we're thinking about the next generations uh, and the sort of world that they're going to live into um and that's right at the heart of this topic. So I just want to start by uh, saying something which I'm not sure if this would be striking to you or not, but uh, I want to make a very uh, simple statement that the Bible anticipates climate change, uh, or I could put another way and say the Bible explains it. Um, now, I run whole seminars on this topic, on on the ecological frameworks of the Bible, and I'm not going to go into it tonight because um, we've got other fish to fry, Uh, but I think that's worth uh, saying that a lot of people have thought about climate change as some have felt, particularly Christians, have felt it somehow implicitly challenges their faith framework. Uh, And actually, uh, from my perspective, the more, if we read our Bibles more and understood, paid attention to the instruction and the warnings in the Bible, uh, then we would see in climate change Nothing particularly surprising, actually. Uh, something that just, which r- rather validates the worldview that the Bible has been trying to describe to us. And there's a great quote clo- quote from the prophet Jeremiah, uh, which captures a lot of it. Um, but the Bible is rich with stuff that 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 really is relevant to our topic. But we won't talk about that tonight. Uh, so when we're talking about food, food affects everything uh, so when we're talking about food systems we are really going to end up talking about a lot of other stuff as well and that's unavoidable um Wendell Berry the great American uh agrarian philosopher and poet uh has written a lot of stuff on food but this is one of his classic statements that eating is an agricultural act uh, and in particular uh the ways the the forms of eating that we do, how we eat, what we eat, and the forms of agriculture that we have are closely bound together. Uh, so how we eat affects our agriculture and our agricultural affects how we eat. Uh, and we've tended to think uh, in for a long time now in when we think about economies, agriculture is often represented a fairly low uh, rung in people's thinking about what's important in, a, in an economy, but actually um, what Wendell Berry is trying to draw our attention to is that it is is foundational. It's different from most other economic activities in that it is what we all depend upon. Uh, and we need to become much clearer about how foundation how foundational agriculture is to everything else, actually. Of course, food systems are much more than just agricultural systems, though. They are economic systems and political systems and social systems. And there are massive questions around equity and justice when we're thinking about food from locally, from within any given small Australian town, right through to global uh, relations around food between affluent countries like ours uh, and those of the developing world. Um, So we're talking... About really big things. Um, I'm gonna focus primarily uh rec- so we need to recognize this is a global challenge. Uh I'm my thinking from here on in is going to be primarily thinking about Australia, how we what how we think about our challenges, but we need to recognize we're part of a much bigger picture. Um and that little um uh graphic down below gives you a, a striking uh Ca- struggling captures some of the challenges we have around inequity around food. It's actually a, it's a, a bit old now, and I suspect that the two million uh, dying from malnutrition is is this year going to be a lot higher than that. So I'll, I won't go over this quickly. My hunch is that your prob- if you're people who are uh, in a group on climate change, you'd probably get this already that climate change. Uh, promises massive disruption to our food systems. In fact, not promises, it's already happening. It's been happening for a little while now. Uh, and the, the sorts of, the ways it does this is all sorts of things, but especially by uh, changing rainfall patterns, not just less rainfall, but could be more heavy rainfall in, in more intense, intense periods, warmer temperatures and how that affects various plant growth, uh, changed seasonality, um, I don't know about you, but our, some of our fruit trees have gone a bit bonkers this year. Um, increased incidence of flood, drought and fire, and we're seeing that around the world And those pictures that you can see. One's a picture of the, the uh, floods in Pakistan recently and the 2020 uh, bushfires in Australia, of which Gippsland had a very uh, dire taste of. Um and also new pest profiles with changing uh, heat and weather patterns. So um, it's big stuff we're talking about. We won't dwell on that, but uh, I've written here the likely effects, but actually these effects are happening now. They're already happening. A rising food insecurity uh, that will drive and already is driving large scale people movement. Uh, uh, We see that particularly Uh, across the Mediterranean and Africa, but we've seen it in our part of the world as well, that's going to increase as the century uh, goes on. That's only going to get bigger Uh, and probably um, increasing geopolitical instability as well. I don't want to dwell on that, but, um, uh, yeah, I'm sure most people are aware of that at some level. So I want to spend most of our time thinking about where we need to go Uh, and here I'm going to predominantly be thinking from an Australian perspective because um, that at least is the the context which we might feel that we have you know as citizens of this country we have some level of agency (laughs) uh, or participation at least in in the processes that that go on um, or a higher level so and I think think that's useful so where we need to go with a uh, massive disruption in food systems, uh, and what that means ecologically, uh, the first thing we need to do is we need a, a massive change in how agriculture is done. So, uh, you saw that picture, um, and a previous slide of, of the, I'll just flip back to the, the sorts of agriculture we're used to. Large scale fossil fuel intensive agriculture using lots of, uh, herbicides and pesticides uh, and things like that, to most of which are fossil fuel derived as well, having a uh, massive impact on ecological systems. Uh, increasingly, we're learning impacts on human health, but also shaping the sort of food we have and the quality of food we have. Uh, so we've seen a, a significant reduction in the nutritional quality of food over the last century with increasingly modernised agriculture. We are going to need to find new ways of practising agriculture. We need to move away from fossil fuels. Um, We need to, in Australia, particularly in this continent, uh, on the driest inhabited continent in the world, uh, we need to uh, do, there's a massive amount of ecological restoration work that we need, especially in relation to, rebuilding soil. So since Europeans came here, we've managed to trash the the, the vast majority of this, the topsoil of this continent. Uh, our waterways are highly degraded, and that has a lot to do with the loss, loss of topsoil and how that's affected um, ground hydrology and things like that. So we need new agriculture. And the buzzword at the moment, and I'm going to use it in a in, in its broadest sense, is regenerative agriculture. And here um, I want to be, uh, uh, direct, so the on the right, right of your screen, you can see a book called Call of the Reed Warbler. Um, it's all about regenerative agriculture in Australia. It's um, written by an Australian, telling stories of Australian farmers who are doing it now, and it's probably one of the most hopeful things I've read in a very long time. It's a uh fantastic book it's quite large uh but quite easy to read uh and i would commend it to anyone especially if you want a sense of hope about where we can go uh and and see it because it's being done and just uh the amount of change that people can bring to heal a landscape in what is remarkably quick time so regenerative agriculture describes basically uh uh quite a radical change in how farmers think about what they're doing. There's no single thing that describes it other than really paying attention to the landscape and uh, understanding how it works. So it it requires greater ecological literacy uh, of farmers. And then there's under that there's a whole toolbox of different practices that farmers can use and deploy depending on what sort of landscapes you live in. So it all depends on tailoring agriculture to the specific landscapes uh, in which you live and what its needs are, so the, what the landscape's needs are ecologically. requires rather as farming has, we, we call it industrial farming, has tended to work almost against natural systems, trying to overcome them, whereas regenerative agriculture seeks to work within and with natural systems for overall ecological benefit. So it seeks not only to produce food for humans, but also seeks to improve soil, store the nutrient cycle, improve hydrology, um, increase habitat for native species in Australia, which is critical. We are facing a critical situation with a lot of our native mammals and birds in relation to habitat and to protect genetic diversity. and as I said, um, this is not pie in the sky. It's happening. People are doing it, and and really with remarkable stories and with really uh, hopeful stories about restoration health, health being brought to to landscapes. Uh, climate uh, regenerative agriculture can be seen both as a form of climate adaptation, which means which we can adapt to the challenges is already posed to us by uh, a number of things. So agriculture is all about increasing uh, the uh, soil health and the ability of soil to retain moisture, uh, So, and that has to do with hydrology. So that in massively increases uh, drought resilience, which, which in Australia is one of our primary needs in relation Uh, to um, climate change resilience. uh, Regenerative agriculture nearly always involves a large amount of tree planting for multiple reasons, for habitat, but also for shade, for wind protection, uh, for hydrology. Uh, And what that also tends to do is to create microclimates. So that also reduces... Heat in an area uh, also reduces frost vulnerability uh, and, again, increases resilience in times of drought. Um, so it's a form of adapting to climate change, but it is also a form of climate mitigation. Uh, by, by that I mean it's one of the ways that we can, and one of the really hopeful and underrecognized ways by which we can seek to draw down carbon. Uh, so uh, regenerative agriculture uh by definition massively part carbon positive so often in australia we think of agriculture as a problem and it is so nationally agri- in terms of carbon emissions and the amount of uh, particularly cattle we have in australia but that's because of the types of farming that were were so the a of a in the canberra region uh agriculture, found that 11, time more, 11 times more carbon in its soil than it emits, and that includes all its emission, including its embodied transport emissions and all that sort of stuff, 11 times more, which is incredible. If all Australian farms did something like that, um, we would see a, a huge change in our carbon emission profile nationally nationally. Uh, so it, it, it could play a massive role in Australia's response to reducing our carbon emissions. So that's a hopeful story. We need that to happen on, on a much larger scale. We also need, and for want of a better term, I'm calling it a permaculture revolution, although I'm using the term permaculture reasonably loosely, uh, uh, as well as agriculture, which we think of particularly predominantly in rural areas out in the great Australian landscape, uh, we need a lot of food growing happening in and around urban areas. And I'm talking about small-scale intensive food growing. Uh, and permaculture is a great form of for capturing a lot of that. And so these are forms of f- food growing that also basically used uh, are predicated on using ecological natural knowledge and not trying to work against how plants want to grow and what soil needs, but working with soil and working with uh, all sorts of uh, uh, very uh, innovative ways about thinking how you put your food together uh, to produce quite a lot of food from quite a small space. Uh, and I've put it down as small-scale resilient and the LAEI means low externally, not having to bring in or anything like that you're not required on using uh, uh, petrol powered motors to to do it so low cost is another way of putting it uh, but these are intensive food systems and they um often labor intensive um on the right hand side that the picture is from cuba so in the 1990s cuba w- was forced into a massive uh, agricultural experiment i should um, where based through the U, uh, the US embargo of oil to Cuba, it suddenly went from the, the world's most intensive use of fossil fuels in its agriculture to having no fossil fuels whatsoever for its. They had to transition to organic agriculture at a national scale almost overnight. Uh, and they had incredible success with actually with a, Australian permaculturists helped them get there. So in Cuba today, no... Fruit and veg grown within a within an urban boundary, which is a staggering (laughs) uh, figure. Ninety percent of fruit and veggies. Where we need to go, we also need to move towards greater regional food security. Now, that's a little bit of a buzzword, and regional food security means can mean quite different things to different people. Um, I probably don't have time to go into the uh, the various forms of it. But essentially what we're talking about is in, and how you define region, <laughs> there's lots of debate about that, but in some sort of sense of of uh, space, smaller scale space, uh, we need to think about uh, but the, the issues of access to food, equity to food and the resilience of the food system overall. And that's generally what we mean by regional food security. We've just seen through COVID, but I think increasing with climate change, we can't presume upon the free global flow of food anymore. It Doesn't mean that there's not going to be still international trade of food. There will be, and I think there still needs to be. We need to still, food will need to move across boundaries. And that's not a bad thing, but we can't presume upon it on the way we have for the last 100, well, 150 years now, really. Um, we're going to have to think differently about our food systems, and you can see uh, there's lots of people, including in Gippsland, uh, already one trying to think about food at a regional scale and what that means. Where we need to go, um, so we need to have massive changes in farming uh, and sustainable farming needs that we need need to sustain farmers, which is. Uh, seems pretty simple, but a point we are massively missing in Australia. So one of the biggest crises facing uh, agriculture in Australia is a succession crisis. The average age of your Australian farmer is 58 years old, and that's getting older each year. Uh, uh, The children are not staying on farms, and older farmers are increasingly walking off, and that's because it's so hard and so unrewarding both economically rewarding. So there's lots of farmers today in Australia managing million-dollar economies for basically taking home at the end equivalent, equivalent of Centrelink incomes. Uh, and that's with working incredibly long hours, very difficult to get a holiday, very difficult, isolated, often on their own. Um, you can see why why the younger uh, generations aren't taking, following their parents in their the, the footsteps. Sustaining Sustainable farmers need, mean we need to make it sustainable for the farmers themselves, and farmers are people too, which means they need to be in contact with other people. They need to go to the shops. They need to be able to go to the bank. They want to play footy, go to a church, play bingo. That means farmers need rural communities. So sustain, sustainable farming requires reinvigorating rural communities, Uh, and that's something we need to think hard about in Australia, Uh, and that's largely an economic task but not just an economic task. It's also a cultural and mindset task about how we think about the whole urban rural thing.
0: You're listening to Gippsland Anglicans On Air. You're hearing from Jonathan Cornford today speaking about food security in a changing climate.
2: has never be hard. Hard.
0: For the full episode of Jonathan Cornford's presentation, you can visit our YouTube channel to watch that or see it on our website at www.gippslandanglicans.org.au. My name is Libby Willems and we'll see you next time.